We are so excited that you are joining us today. We here at Royal Priesthood Ministries are dedicated and committed to teaching, equipping, and training men and women in the principles of God. These principles will free them from their past hurts, pains, frustrations, and confusions, helping them find love, help, forgiveness, peace, divine direction, and encouragement. Our senior pastor, Harold W. Britton Sr. and co-pastor Sherry Britton have answered the call that God placed on their lives. Let's hear what the Lord is saying through his vessels today. Some hard places. As Hebrews 5 verse 8 says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And we know that Jesus Christ walked us the face of this earth as a man, but he was without sin. But he laid aside his deity so that he could become just as we are, so that he could feel just the same things that we would feel. And so that's why we often hear that he is our example. Because he went through the same thing that we're going through. But yet he was without sin. It says in the Garden of Gethsemane, for instance, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross and be separated from the Father. He said to God, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Yet when God made it clear there was no other way, he obeyed. He yielded to the force of meekness and said, Not my will, but thine be done. And it wasn't that he didn't want to go to the cross. What happened was that he knew that he came into this world to die. But, the reason why he prayed that prayer was because he knew that because of the sin, because of our sins was going to be upon him, and so therefore because his father was a holy God, that he could not look upon him at that point in time. And so that was the reason why he prayed that prayer. But he knew when he came into this world he came into this world to die. But he did not want to be separated from his father. And he knew that with all that sin that was going to be laid upon him, that his father would not be able to look at that sin, would not be able to look at him because of the sin that was going to be upon him. Jesus already paid the price for Adam's sin on the cross, so none of us will ever be required to do anything as hard as what Jesus did on Calvary. And we can thank him for that because he became our substitute, and we know that there is no one walking the face of this earth that can endure what he endured. And so, therefore... It's very important that we praise and thank him each and every day for what he did. 
because had he not, we would not be where we are. It says, but at times in our walk with God, we'll all have to make sacrifices. Let us look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here is something that God is requiring every born-again, blood-bought believer to do. It's a sacrifice. We are to sacrifice, to sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. And that word service is our reasonable worship. So therefore, there is some things, sacrifices that God requires of us. Are we able to do those sacrifices? Yes, we are. Because of the fact that Christ dwells on the inside of us and we have the power of God in us, so we can. We can, but the point of the matter is, let us look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Which strengthens me. So therefore, whatever God requires of us to do, we can do it according to the scripture. It said, because we can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So there is no such thing in the body of Christ as that we can't do. We can't do is because we don't want to do. But it's not that we can't do because we have, we, we have the enabling power on the inside of us to do everything that God requires of us to do. Amen? It says he might give us a ministry assignment that puts a greater demand on our time or resources than we'd like, as he did when he told Ken and me to go on daily television. And this is Gloria Copeland talking. He might ask us to sacrifice an hour of sleep and spend an extra hour in prayer every morning. He might prompt us to share the gospel with a person we're reluctant to approach. And these are some of the assignments that God may give us. But the point is, is that we can't say that we can't do it. If we say we can't, is that we don't want to. Because we have that enabling power to do everything that God requires us to do. And God is never going to require us to do something he knows that we can't do. He's never going to do that. 
God has different plans for each of us. But whatever he asks us to do, the fruit of meekness will help us do it. It will help us to be obedient to the Lord, not only in big ways, but in the small things, the little details of life. And, and, and sometimes in, in ministry, some people, they just want to do the big things. And God doesn't always require us to do big things. Sometimes it's the little thing. And, and, and sometimes it's the little thing that we don't want to do because a lot of times the little things are not the things that put us out in front. And so, therefore, or if he assigns us some little thing, we'll figure, well, this little thing is it's, it's little, so it's no big deal. But to man, it may not be a big deal. But to God, it is, because it's an assignment that he gave. And, and, and so if he gave that assignment, and he's already given us the power to accomplish that assignment, then he expects us to what? Do it. He expects us to do it. And so these are the things that uh, on our spiritual journey, that we got to be careful with because when we get an assignment and it comes from the mouth of man, we always think it's man that's giving us that assignment. But it's just, man is just a vessel that God is using to give instruction to us to do certain things. And so therefore it behooves a child of God to do whatever it is that is instructive for them to do because God will never give us anything to do that he knows we can't do. It says, I remember one time, for example, Ken wanted me to learn a certain skill. It was something he thought was interesting and important, but it didn't interest me at all. So it didn't interest her because it came from her husband. And so she's like, well, because he's what he was, she's looking at, well, this is what he wants me to do. So it's not really important. I don't feel that it's important for me to do, so I'm just not going to do it. So she said for a while, she resisted. She said, I kept putting it off and hoping Ken would just forget about it. But after a while, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to do that. So what was she doing? She was doing just like any of us would do. We were looking at that individual and what that individual was telling us to do. And we're thinking, well, this, this individual is telling me to do this, and this ain't something I want to do. Not knowing that it could be instruction that's coming from her Heavenly Father. And so it behooves us because we don't know, we don't know in the instruction that God has given us what he wants to accomplish through us. And so it's important, it's important that when we get an assignment, that we do it, and when God gives us something to do, we already know that the enemy's going to come in. He's coming in quickly, and he's going to persuade us every kind of way he can not to do it. And so, therefore, it behooves us to shut down his voice and listen to the voice of God. It says, on my own, I would never have chosen to invest my time that way. 
Yet once the Lord let me know it would please him, I let meekness come to my aid. I obeyed, and as it turned out, that skill became a great blessing to me. See, God was able to bless her through the instruction that was given to her, and she went on and adhered to those instructions. And she was blessed by that. And sometimes we don't realize the blessing that comes behind some of the things that God requires or asks us to do. We just look at it as, well, this is something that uh, this individual wants done and, uh, and it may not help me. Or why am I giving this assignment and I don't see no benefit. I don't see nothing I'm going to get out of it. So that's not how we look at when God gives an assignment through an individual, he expects us to carry that assignment out. And, and, and so it behooves us because we don't know the blessing, the blessing that's going to come behind it. That's the way it always is when you obey the Lord. Everything he tells you to do ultimately turns out to be a blessing. By the same token, Every time we resist his command, we miss out on something wonderful and wind up experience regret. And there are some times when God has given us certain people certain assignments, and they chose not to do those assignments, but then when somebody else came along and did it, and they reaped the benefits from it, then they seen how they missed out. How they missed out on it, that was something that so... When that happens, most time you, human nature is that we get upset. But if we get upset, we should get upset with ourselves because of the fact that we had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to do it, and we chose not to do it, so we didn't reap the benefit. Somebody else did because they went on and did. And, 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 and so we have to be careful because sometimes we look at things and we look at things and we get assignments, and we look at them in a negative way. And so when we begin to look at them in a negative way, then we see it's not to our benefit that we're going to receive anything, but then we find out that there was a blessing. There was a blessing in it. And Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates Correction is stupid. And in the King James Version, that word stupid is brutish, but it means stupid. So meekness keeps us from being stupid, as this Bible version says. A proud person, a proud person hates to be corrected. A proud person hates to be corrected. But a meek person will receive correction. They will receive correction because of the fact that correction makes them grow. And, and, and so when they correct, and, 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 and it makes, it, 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 it's a problem when we don't correct a person and we see them doing something wrong. We just see them doing something wrong and, and we say, well, we're just going to let that go. But if we let it go, is it helping that individual? No, we can correct one another in love because correction brings about growth. Because if you see me doing something and you don't correct me and I'm doing it wrong, 
then I'm going to continue to keep on doing that, doing it that way until somebody comes along and corrects me in love. And say, well, you know what? You know, there's a better way to do this or, you know, you're not doing that correctly. But uh, we have to be careful how we approach, how we approach people to correct them. Because some people are kind of harsh in correcting people. And, 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 and when we come to people and we're harsh in correcting them, then that's automatically a shut off. They're going to shut it off anyway. But if we come to them in love and, 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 and correct them, then they'll see. And then sometimes some, another person may have an easier way to do something than I do. And so they'll come and say, well, can I show you? A better way. Well, yeah, if you can show me a better way, yes, please do so. So that way, you know, I'm not doing something and, 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 and I'm using a lot of blood, sweat, and tears when it could be easy. It says meekness makes us wise because it causes us to be receptive to the correction of God. In James chapter 1, let us look at... James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And it reads in verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness, there's that word meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. But 22 said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So if we just, if we just hear the word and we never do the word, then who are we deceiving? We're deceiving ourselves. And deceiving ourselves in that area, it's not going to bring about growth. It's not going to bring about growth because all we're going to do is find ourselves spinning our heels and we're going nowhere. So, so it's important, it's important that meekness, meekness will even help us get more out of going to church and keep us from getting irritated when the minister says something that convicts us. It will stop us from becoming offended and thinking he's intentionally criticizing us, that he's singling us out and reading our mail. In most cases, when that kind of thing happens in church, the minister doesn't have anyone specific in mind at all. He's just speaking by the leading of the Lord. He may not even realize the Holy Spirit is zeroing in on an area of disobedience in someone's life, identifying something that person needs to change and telling them in a very personal way exactly what they need to hear. Now, the, granted, there are some that uh, we may have shared some things with, and uh, they'll wait until they get to the pulpit, and then we'll hear it. That's not good. That's not good. But if a person that does not know, does not know an individual, and they speak a word 
then that came, we know that came straight from the Holy Ghost because that person don't know me. That person don't know nothing about me, but yet still that person is saying some things that pertain to me. So no, I'm not going to get upset because I need to hear that because that may be something that can help me. And so a lot of times when people hear things, and what happens is that immediately they, they turn a deaf ear to it and get upset. No, it's during that time that that's a time where we take those things and grow and grow from it, grow from it. Because on this spiritual journey, this is what God expects us to do. He expects us to grow. He doesn't expect us to stay babies all through our spiritual journey. So correction helps us to grow. Yeah, correction may hurt, but correction helps us to grow. And so the more I receive correction and apply it to my life, the quicker I'm going to grow and become mature and become that individual that God wants me to do, to be. Because we got to understand on this spiritual journey, there is no one that is perfect. No one is perfect. We're all in that stage of growing. We're all in that stage of growing, and, and, and we're all going to make mistakes along the way, but we take those mistakes, and, and, and we learn from them, and we keep moving. So, 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 so when a word goes forth, and, and it pertains to our life, or it pertains to something that we might be doing or we're going through, it pays us not to get upset, but just take it. Just take it and uh, grow from it. But if you know that it's a person that you share a, a particular thing with, and then they wait until they get the mic and they want to talk about it, pray for them. Pray for them. Because that's not the time. Because if you didn't share it with me when we were one-on-one, -on -one, I don't expect you to share it when you get the mic and you get in front of a whole bunch of people and you start sharing what I shared with you. No, that's not the time. And, and that, causes, that causes some strife within the body of Christ. It says maybe the minister is preaching about the tithe and some of the people in the congregation haven't been tithing. Instead of yielding to meekness and agreeing with what the Holy Spirit is saying, sometimes those people will get mad at the preacher. All he's doing is telling them what the Word says. He is giving them instruction from the Lord that will bring them great financial blessing. Yet instead of receiving that instruction and positioning themselves to receive a blessing, they get upset and refuse it. In this particular situation, if an individual, if an individual can't tie, then that individual needs to be having a conversation with their heavenly father. Have a conversation with him and explain that situation to him. So when we hear it from the pulpit, then we already know I've had a conversation with my heavenly father. So he understands that situation. So I'm not going to get upset about what I hear coming from the pulpit because 
my heaven, me and my heavenly father, we had a one-on-one -on -one conversation about that. And so, therefore, we came into agreement with some things. But I got to know that this is a requirement of him. So, therefore, along the way somewhere, I'm going to get it right. But because I had a conversation with my heavenly father, whatever's being said over the pulpit, I, I, I look at it as that doesn't pertain to me. That doesn't pertain to me because I had a talk with my father. And he knows exactly where I stand on that. And so, therefore, we can move on. That might be somebody for somebody else, but it's not for me. And so we can move on, and uh, we can be all right with that. As Proverbs 12:1 says, that's stupid, so don't do it. Yield to meekness and submit to God in everything. Whatever he tells you to do, whether directly or through one of his ministers, is for your good and your increase. He's good, and he wants to do you good. So obey so that the blessing is unhindered. And so, as we said earlier, when instruction comes, then we look at it. God never asks us to do anything that he knows that we can't do because he enables us. He gives us the power to do. So if I'm instructed to do something, then I should go ahead on and do it because of the fact God enabled me to do it. And so, therefore, by me doing it and being obedient to it, there's a blessing behind it. Amen? The meekest man on earth. We're on page 213, those of you that have a book. The meekest man on earth. I like what W.E. Vine teaches about meekness. In his commentary, he says, Meekness is an inroth grace of the soul. The exercises of it are first and chiefly toward God. It is that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. It is closely linked with the word taping or frozen, which means humility. It is only the humble heart, which is also the meek, and which as such does not fight against God and more or less struggle and contend with him. The meaning of the word is not readily expressed in English, for the terms meekness, mildness, commonly used, suggests weakness and timidity, cowardice, to a greater or less extent, whereas this other word does nothing of the kind. So, 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 so a lot of time people look at a meek person as being a weak person. They look at them as, but weak is power and control. It's, it's power and control. And a, meek, and a meek person, a meek person that knows themselves and they know how they are, a meek person, when they hear something like that, a meek person is saying to themselves, you may see me as a coward, but I wouldn't test it. I wouldn't test it. Because a meek person doesn't mean that they're a coward. A meek person just knows 
that they got so much control about themselves that that whatever that whatever is transpiring in, in their arena, they look at it as, hey, that ain't no big thing for me. I'm not gonna even address that. I'm not gonna even bring myself down to that level. I'm not gonna even deal with that. But notice one thing. Some people will say, I'm meek now because of what God did for me. But there was a time, there was a time when I wasn't. And that's that time, and I have a friend, and, 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 and she always say, yeah, I'm meek now, but you don't want that other side. You don't want that other side to rear up. So, 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 and we got to know that that other side is there. That other side is there. Or we can let it rise up, but a meek person got that side up under control. And so they ain't going to let nothing and nobody rear that up. But it can be reared up, and that's why a meek person, when they hear about, well, you know, you're just a coward, and, and, and you should do this, and you should do that, they, they don't deal with that. Because they know themselves, and they know that they got self-control. They got self-control. Now, there are some people that don't have meekness, and so therefore, they're going to snap quick. They're going to snap real quick. And then some of them say, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this, and, 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 and I'll repent later. No, a meek person, like, I ain't even going there. I'm not going to even deal with that. Call me what you want. But, uh, you know, I know me, and I'm not going there with that. It says, take a moment and think about what was said there about Jesus on page 214. He was the picture of meekness, yet he was never without power. He was in control the whole time he walked the earth. He walked through every situation as a master, yet at the same time always operated in love, humility, and gentleness. Jesus never fought for his own rights because he didn't have to. He had the power of God moving in and for him all the time. Until he got ready to lay down his life on the cross, Satan couldn't even touch him. Because Jesus did whatever God commanded, God always did whatever Jesus asked. So we see here, we've never seen Jesus. When he walked the face of this earth, we never read. He did get angry. He did get angry. But he got angry for a just cause. He got angry when he went into that temple. And, 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 and he turned over those tables because what was happening was he was upset because of the way they were robbing the people. They were cheating the people, so that made him angry. So he was justified at that point in time, to be angry. There are times when we are justified to be angry. But in, in the process of that being justified to be angry, we just don't go off the deep end. We're still meekness, a meek person, even though they have to address and, be, and is justified at a certain point in time, they're still in control. They're still in control. Some people, they, 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 uh, they go off and do it, and then they say, well, you know, 
I was blinded for a minute. No, you wasn't. That was just something they chose to do because they were not under control. But if I'm under control and, and I have to address something that is making me angry, I'm going to stay in control. I'm going to deal with it in a justified way, but I'm going to be in control. I'm not going to just say, well, I'm just going to let this rip in. I'm just going to know. Uh, a meek person stays in control. And in Jesus, when he got angry, he was in control. He was in control. He was in control. It says, according to Vine's expository dictionary of biblical words, meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It is the equanimity, the stability or composure of spirit that is neither elated nor cast down simply because it is not occupied with self at all. When we're walking in meekness, we can get ourselves off our mind. But when we're walking in meekness, we're not thinking about ourselves. We're, we're not focusing on ourselves. So therefore, all these things that people, well, you know, you're a coward and, and, and this, that, and the other. We're not focusing. A meek person is not focusing at that. A meek person is a, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in control, and I'm going to be in control at all times, knowing that meekness doesn't make me a coward. Meekness does not make me afraid. Meekness means I'm a person that has myself under control. There is nothing that's ever going to transpire in my life that's going to allow me to be out of control. A meek person is going to be in control at all times, and when situations have to be handled, a meek person is going to handle those situations in control. It says we don't have to be self-assertive and fight with other people to get our way. Instead, we can just do whatever God says, letting him see to it that things work out for us and trusting his power to work on our behalf. We can rely on him to take our part and make sure we're protected and not run over. And, and, and this is something, this is something that we truly got to understand, that God is not going to allow anybody He's not going to allow anybody to misuse us. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that because if he doesn't take care of it in this life, no one thing, it's going to be taken care of in the next one because he's not going to overlook anybody that's being misused, especially if they're being misused intentionally. The only thing that, that, that has to be done as long as I continue to treat a person right, God is protecting me. He's protecting me. And that person, that other person that's mistreating, there are some things happening. But see, the things that's happening to that other person, that other person is not realizing that some of the things that's happening in their life is because of the fact that they, haven't, they mistreated somebody. And so, therefore, they, 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 they get to rebuking and binding the devil. No, don't rebuke and bind him up because he ain't got nothing to do with that. And God got a word called chastisement. 
and he chastens. He chastens folk. And so, 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 therefore, when folks' lives start getting all messed up and they, and they know they done uh, misused and abused somebody, think about that. Think about that. And then get it right. Then get it right. Because some people, they, 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 they get up. They get up. And, and, and their purpose is to see whose life they can disrupt for the day. And, 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 and God knows it before they even get up. And, 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 and he knows what they're going to do. And then uh, there, there, there's some time he will intervene. He will intervene immediately and allow some things not to happen. So there's nobody that's walking the face of this earth is getting away with anything. You're not getting away with anything. It says, this is how Moses operated in the Old Testament. Meekness was his most outstanding characteristic. In the natural, he might have been described as having a gentle personality. But according to the Bible, there was a spiritual reason he was like that. It was because the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth, according to Numbers Chapter 12, verse 3. Moses was free of selfishness and ungodly ambitions. Meekness isn't what most of us would look for if we were recruiting a leader to go up against Pharaoh and his army. If we needed someone to call down the power of God and bring the most powerful nation in the world to its knees, we probably wouldn't choose the meekest man in the whole earth. Yet that's exactly what God did because he knew Moses' humble, submissive spirit would make him cooperative. It would cause him to do what God told him to do. And so sometimes we got to know that because God knows an individual, that God chooses an individual according to how he knows that individual. And that's why some people get chosen to do something that other people don't get chose to do. And then if we look at it in the eyes of, well, that's a, that's a big grand thing that that individual is doing. It's, well, I could have done it. No, because God knows me, and he knows I wouldn't be fitted for that. And so, therefore, he chose a person that he knew could fit that and get that accomplished without glorifying themselves and glorify him. And so, 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 therefore, that's why some people get chosen to do something that other people don't get chose to do because of the fact that God knows and God knows who to put into position to do certain things better than we do. And sometimes, yeah, God will speak through an individual and tell that individual to appoint this individual to do certain things because God knows that individual and he knows what that individual will do and what that individual won't do. And in this case of Moses, God knew who Moses was. But see, in, in, in the natural, when people looked at Moses, they seen Moses as a person, he, 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 he was timid, and, and, and whatever else they want to connect it to. But God didn't see him like that. 
and, and that's the thing that's going to get a percentage of people through this life of not worrying, not worrying about what people are going to think or say because of the fact that I or you or anybody else, we don't have to prove anything. Is that my Heavenly Father knows who I am, I know who I am, and so therefore I don't have to have no confrontation with nobody about who I am. And it's important on the spiritual journey that we get, we get to that point where we know ourselves. So when people start saying things, then we say, well, they just don't know what they're talking about. And really, they don't know who they're messing with. And so therefore, we can just keep it moving. Keep it moving and keep on doing what God requires us to do because some people will hear the voice of people and this is negative and it'll totally shut them down and they won't do anything. No, ain't none of us perfect. We all make mistakes. But we dust ourselves off, we make them mistakes, we learn from them, we get up and we keep moving. But I'm not going to allow anybody to put me in condemnation about anything. Because when an individual talks about you, then all you got to do is ask them, and who are you? Because there's some things that they also got. that, uh, And, and, and sometimes some people are good cover-up. So, 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 so we got to understand that uh, meekness, meekness is, is power with self-control, self-control. And, and a meek person is always in control. Amen. At this time, we're going to close out those that are in social media land. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to do so at this time, please repeat after me. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he was buried, and he rose on the third day. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I confess all of my sins, the ones I have knowledge of, and the ones that I don't have knowledge of. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't that an awesome teaching from the Word of God? Join us every Sunday morning in the sanctuary at 2518 Delaware Avenue, Flint, Michigan, 48506. Sunday school is at 10 a.m., Sunday morning worship service at 11.30 a.m. Wednesday prayer is at 6 to 7 p.m. and Wednesday Bible study at 7 to 8 p.m. all Eastern Standard Time. You can visit us on Facebook under Royal Priesthood Ministries. You can watch us on Roku, The Fire Stick, Apple TV, Facebook, YouTube, and Cross TV under the Five Fold Network. You can also listen to us on iTunes and Google Play Podcasts under the Five Fold Network. You can also call us at 810-424-1503. To give a donation, you can cash app us at 
dollar sign seven HWB. God bless you and we will see you next time.